Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe and myself, David. So this is the sixth podcast um, in the series and we're going to be talking about Queen's sixth album, News of the World. Before we get on to that, what I'd like to say and we would all like to say is thank you very much for the support we have received for the first podcast which dropped last week. Um, there's been lots of people engaging with us on Twitter and it's really, really cool and we're really pleased that um, so far there's actually even just a handful of people that are interested in what we do. And we've even got celebrities such as the very talented comedian Michael Legg who's been talking to us on Twitter and he actually shared a link with us um, to his Vitriola podcast. This is a podcast he normally does with Robin Ince. But he did it with his good friend John Robbins. And what they basically did was went through all of Queen's catalogue, finding their favourite deep cuts along the way. So there was no singles allowed. They just picked all their deep cuts and they were putting together a kind of mixtape, if you will. And they were drinking rum and Killer Queen vodka through the whole thing. So it adds to the, well, it adds to the kind of the, the joy and the fun of it. <laughs> it's, it's really worth a listen. It's on. Uh, you'll get it on uh, SoundCloud. Um, so if you just look look up Vitriola Queen Special, you'll find it on there. And uh, really, really worthwhile listening to. And I have to say, these guys, I thought we were going to be harsh at times on Queen's music, but these guys don't hold back. And if it deserves a booting, they definitely get it. So, But uh, the other thing about it is there's lots of swearing on it to the point where I thought that maybe we should introduce more swearing into our podcast, but then I realised we've got standards to maintain, so we'll only use swearing for effect, you know what I mean? You know, just, just kind of willy-nilly. No, but anyway, listen, thanks okay, very mate. much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks to everyone who's who's taking the time to listen. Thanks, Michael, for, for uh, sending a few links on to us as well. You should check Michael's comedy out as well. I was listening to one of his sets the other night uh, from Islington last year, and it's it's extremely funny. You know, you'll not be disappointed. Um, so go and check it out. As usual, keep the conversation going. Get get um, get us on Facebook and Twitter via Lap Pods. Let's keep it going. So let's get talking about news of the world. Queen's sixth album. It was released on the twenty eighth of October, nineteen seventy seven. So actually, less than a year since the last album, A Day at the Races. Mike Stone was brought in again to engineer the album and the band again produced it. It was an extremely successful album for them, one of their biggest selling albums. So it actually got to number three on the Billboard charts in America and number four in the UK. So it wasn't a number one album for them, but certainly overall, both sides of the pond, it was a big album for them. There's a quote from Freddie which was which was given, actually, I think it was a few weeks before they actually went in to start writing for the album, the writing sessions for it. And I just wanted to share this with you because I thought it's quite interesting, uh, given uh, the album we're about to discuss. So Freddie said, I feel the Queen style of well-produced or production sort of albums is over. We've done to death multi-tracked harmonies and for our own sakes and for the publics, we want to go on to a different sort of project. Quite an interesting quote. To, to sort of lead into this album. Brian was talking about that time as well, and he was saying that, he said the timing was really good because obviously the punk explosion had happened at that time, and they were already talking about going back to basics. Um, so he said the timing was pretty good. Obviously, 1977, 
the whole of the UK was in the grip of a punk explosion led by the Sex Pistols, who ironically were recording in the same studio as Queen, uh, recording News of the World, and they were recording Never Mind the, the Bollocks, which again, very good album, Never Mind the Bollocks, and make no mistake, I hope, I'm sure you guys will agree with me, it's a very polished album, Never Mind the Bollocks. It's a very polished rock album, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought you might agree with me there. So it's not to diminish it in any way, but it's a punk album, but it's a very, very polished punk album, and it's on EMI. So let's not <laughs> let's not kid ourselves on here. The irony. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, not dissing the Sex Pistols because I do like the album. The album's, the album's are, it's a really good album. And obviously the stories about Sid Vicious, um, you know, the, the, the altercations with Freddie, are the other kind of bar. A bit of back and forth, they're bringing the ballad to the masses. Meetings are are famous, and I saw one story. I don't know if you guys checked saw it um, when you were doing some research. Where John Lydon crawled in all fours across the, the studio <laughs> up to Freddie. All right, Freddie. Like, hello, Fred. Hello, Fred. You know, they just and then crawled away. You know, That's I just cool. thought, I quite like that. Don't like John Lydon's up. Pretty cool, man. I like John Lydon. Uh, well, I did like him, but recently he said a couple of things that have been a bit uh, off the wall. But well, back, exactly, back in the day, he was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, they all they all let you down in the end, eh? That's, that's what they say. Pretty <laughs> but, much. Um, a wee bit of trivia here. Queen was scheduled for the Bill Grundy show, the infamous um, session where the Sex Pistols were gave their very you know abusive tirade of swearing and it's really really funny <laughs> if you've never seen it and i'm sure most people have seen it it's it's, it's you fucking rotter yeah it's fucking, you fucking rotter <laughs> it's but i'm so glad queen weren't on that because we get tv history out of it you know so i think fred did a toothache or something and they had to pull out so they got the sex pistols in and this was early evening as you know most of you know and it was the end of Bill Grundy's career, and and it, you know, you know the Sex Pistols just became even more infamous than they already were. But it's such a funny piece of television. <laughs> it's just really, really bloody funny. But anyway, you know, the reviews of the album when it eventually did hit the shelves was the usual mix of criticism and failing to give Queen any credit at, at all for the amount of diversity they had displayed musically, even to that point. You know, more contemporary reviews of the album put it as one of Queen's best. Um, so these are people reviewing maybe the 40th anniversary around about that time. They they were looking at the album and really saying this is this is an exceptional piece of work. Right, okay, so I've waffled enough. It's time to bring uh, the experts in to talk about this album and uh, we'll see where we get to. So news of the World Queen's sixth album. Joe, I'm going to come to you first. Ah, uh, should I make you wait, actually, because I know how, how much this album means to you, so... <laughs> Do what you want. Nah, not at all. I won't, I'm, no, I'm no tease you. Joe, can you give me an overview of your your kind of thoughts on this album? What can I say? This is this is my favourite Queen record. Uh, I just... I, uh, what do you say? Uh, for me, this album just hits the, hits the mark in so many different levels. You know what I mean? It's like... Everybody in this band is, is is writing amazing songs at this point in Queen's career for me. You know what I mean? It's like you've got Brian May's knocking out of the park, you know, with things like It's Late, We Will Rock You, Freddie's knocking out of the park, you know, with things like uh, 
we are the champions and, you know, things like that. You know, Roger's knocking out the park with sheer heart attack. You know how innovative that is as a song. Even John, you know, spread your wings. I mean, everybody just seems to be really at the absolute top of their game. Uh, for me, this record, just everybody's really at the top of their game, you know. Everybody's firing on all cylinders with this record. Um, there's, there's, there's no fat that I can hear on this record at all. It's really lean in the sense that everything's... Um, just seems to be concentrated and really, they've really crafted their sound perfectly, and the balance is amazing as well. I think it's probably the most for me. It's the the best balanced Queen record, you know, ratio from heavy to to lighter stuff and everywhere in between. That's probably a weird thing to say, but I love the kind of earthiness of it. It's a really warm. I think I said this about a day of the races as well, which is obviously a credit to Queen's production. But, you know, those two records are very warm-sounding records. It's, they're very inviting, if that makes any sense. It's just it's just a really... So, I mean, it's, I always say it's really solid, but it, but it really is for me. It's it's perfect. It's, it is probably my favourite album of all time. It resonated with me at a very young age as well. It was weird because I never really thought of it as, a, as being stripped down. Um, probably again because I had the entire catalogue at, at my disposal, you know. But it wasn't. I wasn't until you actually pointed that out to me. I mean, yeah, fair enough. There really isn't that much in the way of vocal harmonies and stuff like that. Again, that's not why it's my favourite Queen record because I absolutely love all the vocal harmonies and all the you know all the the grandiose stuff that they did on previous records. But yeah, it's. it's I said I did say on Queen One that I thought um, Queen One was probably Queen's heaviest record. It probably isn't. This is this is Queen's heaviest record for me, I would say, because there's a there's a lot of a lot of really dirty stuff on this record. Do you know what I mean? And dirty by I mean it's like you know aggressive kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, there's not a word for it. You know when they're going aggressive in this record, it's the most aggressive they've ever sounded. And being mm-hmm. a metal fan, it, it really obviously it, it, it plays to the things that I love about Queen. You know, so it's it's perfect for me. But I'm no doubt um, when we get into it, we'll, we'll see what other people's opinions are on it. I'm pretty sure it'll mm-hmm. not be too, too different from me anyway. But... No, good. So, Joe's, potentially Joe's fav- favourite album of all time. So, big words there. Really, really big words. So, cheers, Joe. And, uh, Paul, how's this album ranking with yourself? This is my third favourite Queen album um, after Opera and Queen 2. It's a, it's a stripped down, streamlined, absolutely made for American FM radio type album. It's no surprise that it's it sold by the truckload in America. It's full of great songs and testament to the genius of these four guys as songwriters and musicians that they can just change their style and yeah, do something else and not lose anything in, you know, in terms of quality or sales and stuff like that you know in fact they're selling even more records you know on this one just a a great album and I'm looking forward to talking about the tracks on it okay thanks Paul News of the World yes is absolutely in my top three Queen albums Um, I've said I think I said in the first podcast maybe that I'm not actually sure what my favourite Queen album is and I think that is still the case I just can't really decide 
but I know what ones are my favourites and I know what ones are my least favourites and all the rest of it. So News of the World absolutely is in my top three Queen albums. I agree with Paul there on that one. It could be number one. In certain days it probably is number one, you know. I think it's a such a well-rounded album. I'm not going to repeat everything these guys have said, but I agree with Joe on the sound of it. It sounds absolutely great. It's really fat sounding. It's really earthy, as Joe said. It's got... It's been stripped back deliberately. We go back to Freddie's quote there, obviously, at the start. There was also an an intention to to strip things back to basics. I I think it's a better album for it. You know, I would, I would, I think, um, had you started to put lots of harmonies on a lot of these songs, it would have killed, totally killed the vibe. You maybe had, Mm -hmm. you maybe had songs like Fight from the Inside, which are probably still stayed fairly kind of grounded because that's the way Roger writes his songs, but. You know, you could have had a few other songs that maybe would have would have been a bit too, yeah, just too overblown, possibly. Yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's a great album, an absolute great album, and and a a fantastic, great, amazing, all whatever word you want to choose. That's the what this album is for me, and it's one of my favorite albums of all time, not just my favorite Queen albums. As well. Amen. Um, <laughs> it's a. Yeah, cheers, man. <laughs> no, it's it's so yeah. You know, sometimes we we do these pods, and and by the end of it, we maybe reassess what we thought of the album. Maybe we love it even more. Maybe we love it a little bit less. Or you know, after you know talking it through and thinking about the songs individually as you know as a group, because we're also fickle and we just basically yeah. We just, if somebody says something, all right, you're right. We just we just agree with each other, and that's what happens. <laughs> Um, no, not really. But I, I, I would be very, very surprised about if the end of this anyone changes their stance, other than maybe nope. they love it even more. <laughs> I, I do. Start, you know? <laughs> so, enough rambling, enough preamble, and all the rest of it. Let's talk about tracks. Joe, I'm going to come back to you. The song that kicks off the album, We Will Rock You. Talk me through We Will Rock You. As, as the obvious opener to the album, I think. I mean, that that when that beat comes in, I mean that just that just sets the tone really, doesn't it? It's like huge. Even even by today's standard that you know that you know, I mean that that's you know, you know something big's happening when that's you know, especially which I find quite interesting actually now that I think about it. Think about how grandiose a lot of the Queen records that came before openers were. And that is the complete opposite, man. That is literally just a beat. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, Loads of feet banging on on, I believe it was plywood or whatever it was that they just basically double tracked, and um, because obviously if it was just the drums, obviously it, it wouldn't have the same impact. It's a hard song to really speak about. I find this, and obviously I don't want to go into We Are the Champions, but I find this that those songs are really hard to speak about in the sense that what can you already say about it? I mean, it, it, I mean, We Will Rock is a pretty short song as well. I mean, it's, it's not a long song. There's not really a lot to it. But everything, everything that's in it is excellent, and you know, and probably plays to its strengths because it isn't overblown in any way, shape, or form. It's just really straight to the point, and obviously, it, it was written for for that purpose. You know, it was written as a deliberately by Brian May to you know to to invoke a response from the crowd. Um, again, Queen were probably the masters of that. I don't know another band that, that really you know have so many songs that you know that that are catered basically to the crowd, you know, to get the crowd going. If you've been to a, I mean, I've been to a hockey match, it was there, you, you see it in football matches, you, you're everywhere, it's everywhere. And it's just one of those songs, like, I'd be, you'd be hard pushed 
for no one to know know what that song was when that that drum beat comes in. That's that just shows you how important that song is to just in, in, in basic again the consciousness of the world. Do you know what I mean? Somebody hears that they know way well, way well. It's it's in your DNA. That's all I can say about it. Try to think. Yeah, I would I would say something else uh, about the song is it's uh, the fact that you know it's just uh, you know it's primarily at the start. It's just the, the drums and then the vocals come in. It's very rap. It's like really, you know, that's the basis for rap music, really, when you think about it. And it's almost like like a rap that, that Freddie's doing over it. Do you know what I mean? So I think that, that again, talking about the whole, you know, Queen being ahead of the curve and obviously delving into unknown territory and, and coming away with, you know, stuff that you can look back on and go, well, you know, maybe, maybe if you said that to a hardcore hip-hop fan, you know, they maybe argue with me. I mean, I'm not saying, obviously, there's a cultural thing for hip-hop. I love hip-hop, old-school hip-hop. So, does, so do you, David. Um, but, you know, so that's not a... I'm not being snidey towards hip-hop, in fact, you know. But, yeah, it's uh, it's just weird because it is almost like a rap that he's doing over just, just a drum beat, you know, which hip-hop, old-school hip-hop kind of was. You know, it was stripped back. You know, it was a drum yeah. machine, the vocalist, maybe yeah. occasionally the odd mm. bit bit of music in there but yeah yeah can, can i comment with something here joe if absolutely yes yeah, paul i'm going to come to you obviously but just while it's kind of fresh with the just based on what joe's saying here you're talking about the rap thing and there's no doubt that's a rap it, it, mm. freddie is rapping over it now it, you know just i was thinking about this today what was brian may's influence in that in doing ah. that Totally. Queen, don't get me wrong. I, I just want to put it out there: Queen did not invent rap. Like this no, wasn't the first rap ever put on a record, right? I'm, I'm not going to go there and say that it was, but the timing's really curious because Grandmaster Flash, Kurt Curtis Blow, and all that were really getting their shit together about this time, about the same time. Yeah, and right. of course, yeah, they would yeah. they would have been doing that and stuff on the streets of the Bronx and and, and all yeah. that. Anyway, but and I'm no way am I saying Brian May was in the streets of the Bronx hearing these guys on the street and going, I'm going to take that sound. That would have have been funny, man. (laughs) That would have have lasted about three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no way I I thought, I think Brian was that, you know, tuned to the streets of New York. And so so it's a really curious coincidence. But given the fact that I would would assume that Brian didn't know about these guys and, you know, I think it's, I can pretty much put my, my mortgage on it. What was his influence for that 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 pattern and that that rap thing? And what was what what? And I, and I actually tried to look for it. I tried to look for you know maybe interviews with Brian where he talks about it because obviously no one maybe someone has put it to him and that's a football chat. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, yeah. The, 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 the queen the queen crowds like a football um, crowd, yeah. except you're also on the same team. Yeah. Yeah, and I've they wanted that. to convey that, and it's it's a football chant. You can imagine. A... No, 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 no. You don't misunderstand me, Paul. The the the, the, the chorus, I absolutely. That's a football. It's the verses chant. you're talking about. Huh? I'm talking about the verse, buddy. You're right. a boy, make a big noise okay. playing in the yeah. street, and with that beat totally. behind it, that's a rap. Totally, absolutely. And I mean, it was even sampled on "When Will They Shoot" by Ice Cube. So you know, on yep. the Predator album, he sampled "We Will Rock You." You know, so "We Will Rock I'm, You" is while I'm, Ice Cube's uh, rapping away on the top of it. It's it's a, it's Freddie's rapping, and this is you know it's, it can be construed as a rap beat. Uh, I'm just really curious about where Brian's influence was in that. Um, so anyway, That's sorry, I've, I've I've probably said enough on this. And uh, Paul, I'm going to bring any any more thoughts on. Uh, you can I mention um, about the football chant, which I think is yeah. 
Uh, well, well, uh, Joe, Joe stole my uh, what I wrote down about um, this. Is, this is the most every opener and every album is a statement of intent, you know, and, and all the other openers, Procession, Brighton Rock, you know, all the rest of it have been quite grandiose and layered and all that. And this is just like you know, boots and claps. So you know, it's letting you know that this is a this is this is going to be a stripped down affair. Um, Brian May's guitar break as well. Just genius, off the cuff. One, to, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he did two or three takes or whatever. But it sounds to me as if that was the first take, you know, and that was that one track. That's it done, you know. Uh, amazing. What kind of, yeah, I, I think Joe said it all, you know, really about it. Great track. Yeah, absolutely love the track. I think it's it's one of these ones that is played and played and played. Kind of. Maybe even even as much as Bohemian Rhapsody in, in many ways, but it's just a it, just the sound of it. You know, as Joe said, that they, they managed to get that really heavy sound just with, with stomps and claps. And there's no it's, other instrument until is it about you know a minute forty five a minute forty five seconds in or something when the, you know Brian's guitar comes in, mm-hmm. and that power chord when it does come in is just just it's the feedback. It's the, 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 the feedback, feedback leads up, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like giving you know, um, the wee precursor to something's going to happen here that's going to ramp exactly, up. Exactly, man. It's amazing. It is, um, great track, love it. And uh, the fast version is is cool as well. I oh, prefer this it. version, but the fast version live still is still mm. excellent as well. And, amazing. And uh, the BBC uh, sessions run about this time. The nineteen seventy seven BBC sessions are worth worth checking out as well. And uh, do the fast version on that. And there's the quote from uh, there's someone reading the quote from Buddha as well in the middle of. Uh, Oh yeah, last version, which is just uh, <laughs> can I? I don't really know where I, that. I'd forgotten yeah. about that. I need to come on uh, Spotify, and I was like, oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. But because uh, it matches up, uh, it matches up the slow version with the fast version, and it sits in the middle of it, mm. and it kind of. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. It's really cool. But anyway, that is. We will rock you, starting us off on uh, News of the World. We are the champions. As uh, the next track in the album, and you know, a kind of companion track to We Will Rock You for many. And as Joe said, the you know the big kind of stadium anthems, the big the sporting anthems, these two normally go together. Um, so, Paul, champions, what? How is it, youth? For you, uh, is a song. Well, we are we are the champions. Is obviously one of the great Queen singles, and uh, I think I think it was a double A side, wasn't it, in the UK? Ah, that's we were you. So, so they both. They they definitely come together. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this, uh, I, and I, I hardly get any evidence for it, but I think this quite enraged a lot of critics. This song, didn't it, at the time? I guess it. Aye, aye, yeah, yeah. you know, because it was like, ah, you know, they've, they've got no self awareness. What was the know. what was the quote when they, they, they was like, you know, we are the champions. Where's the modesty? All gone. She asked Roger, and went, oh, there's no modesty at all. Ah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could imagine, you know, the guys at NME just being incandescent with rage at this. You know, no time for losers and all that. You know, fascist bastards and all that. You know that kind of stuff. I, I suppose in terms of its sound, as a wee, you know, probably it's the one song in the whole album that does lend a little bit to what's gone before in terms of yeah, Queen's absolutely. sound, you know, yeah. it's got the earlier vocals and the guitars and all that but it doesn't, it, it's not out of place in this album at all, you know if you don't like it, you're a loser and we won't get any time for you <laughs> Fact <laughs> Aye, Champions, I mean um, it's, 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 again another one, it's probably kind of played a lot and, you know, probably, again probably played as much as Borat and 
and we will rock you. And um, it's it's one of, it's it's maybe one of my least favorite songs in the album, but it's still a very good song. I still really like it. It's still um, when I hear it, I, I, I don't I don't feel I have to skip it on the album. I don't feel it's it's you know it's not a problem for me. I, I do really like the song. And actually, when you heard the kind of raw take of it, when you really hear Brian's guitar mm. really up in the mix, I thought that was really cool. I don't think it would have suited the song in a in the final situation, right enough. But I really liked that version of it. And uh, Robbie Robbie yeah. Williams covered this with a band years later, and I love the quote from John Deacon. He says, "I've heard what they've done, and it's crap." <laughs> So it absolutely was crap, and Robbie Williams is a truly, truly awful, awful singer and awful musician. I put that in vertical commas, musician. Um, but anyway, I don't care if you get offended by that. So that's just the way it is. Joe, champions, what's it? How is it for you? Again, it's just it's just one of those songs. I mean, it's it's weird. Like when I've been when I was compiling the notes for doing this, that's the one I've got the least notes for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, I mean, like way less. I mean, like who needs you has got more. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a good, really good song. And you know, it, 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 for the purpose it was written, you know, it, it achieved it. You know what I mean? It's still getting sung all these years later. You know what I mean? So it's sort of, and it's still. It's still very relevant, and it'll probably still be getting played if you know, providing that the whole planet hasn't exploded or died of COVID or whatever the hell's happening. You know, if we're mm-hmm. still about in a hundred years' time and sports is still a thing, then this song will still be getting sang. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, in that in that respect, it's timeless. It's a, it's a timeless song. It's one of those songs. It's like it almost feels like um, it wasn't written. It, it just exists. If that makes sense, it's kind of. I know it probably sounds really silly and pretentious, but it's just—I think it's just because it's been—it's been everywhere for my entire life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just part of—it's part of everywhere you go, basically. But yeah, mm. I, I would say for me, it sounds like it should have been on—it should have been the last song on the album. Yeah. I don't know about you—I don't know about you guys, but um, <laughs> yeah. to me, it's—it's the—it's the obvious ender of the album. Closer, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, closer. Sorry. As much as I love Melancholy Blues, I mean, uh, Champions makes more sense to have ended the album on it. But again, because it, it almost harks back, like Paul said, to the traditional Queen sound of the previous records. I mean, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the fact they close big, their gigs with it, you know, it ah, tells, yeah, no, you, exactly. tells you the kind of story of, of where yep. it probably should be. No, it sets or ever follow the same, you know, um, partner as an album, but. No, I, I think I was thinking about. I agree with you. Um, you know, Michael Legg was talking to us about that about the sequencing of the album on Twitter, and he was saying that Champions should have been at the end. And uh, right. and I and I agree. I agree. It should have been. Yeah, definitely. But then I thought. Then I thought about it a wee bit. Then I thought what might have been just a wee bit different and maybe cooler. Just a theory. We are the champions, and it finishes, and then my, my melancholy blues just at the end of it because the big anthem. Then just a wee bit at the end just to take you. Out. You know, it might have been a different way of doing it. You know, just because you've got the big anthem and then just Freddie just at his piano again, just just you know, chilling you out before you can uh, exit the album kind of thing. I thought that might have been cool, but it, it's got to be towards the end of the album. Of course, it has. It's, it's probably the last song makes mm-hmm. makes the most sense. But right, let's talk about All Dead. Oh yeah, let's All Dead, All Dead. Uh, first of all, is a great title for a song. I just love it. I don't know what it is, you know, it's just... Grim. So evocative, yeah. And, and I, I, 
you know, I, I think Brian has partly written about his uh, family cat that had recently died or something like that. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a song about loss and all that, but it's not kind of morbid in any way. It's a kind of more reflective kind of thing, and. Brian's piano playing is absolutely beautiful in this. Um, I know, David, you, you've mentioned before about the difference between Freddie and uh, Brian's piano playing. Freddie's a, a more rhythmic and maybe heavier on the keys and all that. Um, and Brian's a bit more delicate. Um, his playing in this is amazing. Yeah, as I say, it's not it's not morbid in any way. Um, it's just that kind of beautiful, beautiful lyrics. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a great wee song. Um, and again, there's a there's a very very slight nod to the old Queen sound, where there's a there's a wee guitar break, you know, harmonised guitar uh, mm-hmm. towards the end um, to take you out. Oh, that's a good that's a good shout, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, you mentioned it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, so so just a very slight nod to uh, the old Queen kind of thing. Um, they just can't quite let it go. Maybe. <laughs> well, uh, maybe Brian can't. Who knows. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely wee song and uh, maybe one of Brian's best. Who knows? I would agree with, I would agree with Paul. I think it's uh, uh, one of my favourite Brian May tunes. It's definitely, it's, it's, it's really kind of, it's quite sombre, but I don't think it's, I don't mean that in a grim, it's not grim in any way. But I think Paul covered, I mean, it's quite a simple song, so there's not really what to go into, there's not really too much to go into, but yeah, I was I was going to mention the same thing about the you know the, the one minute forty kind of mark. I think it is when the you know the guitar harmony parts come in and stuff like that. It's really really it's quite haunting. It's like that bit you know, it's just a really really beautiful wee bit of music and then it comes out and it you know opens up again. It's quite quite orchestrated. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a really really good song. There's nothing else I can really add to it. Yeah, I mean the the version that was on the the fortieth anniversary. Edition. I mean, I think there's loads of tracks on that. Forty one. If, if you want to spend a hundred quid, you oh, know, you know, but man. some of them are available on like, Spotify and stuff. The extra tracks in the Fred version. Oh, you were going to come that's, what I, was, that's what I was going to say that it's it's got to be the one time that Freddie singing a song wasn't the best version. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Took the words out of my mouth. Took the words uh, out of my mouth. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Fred version was pretty much a demo version, probably a one take and all that. So I didn't get the chance to refine it the way Brian did mm. in the studio. Uh, but even just based on the both versions as they stand, then then absolutely, I think I think Brian's voice suits the track a lot better. It's because it's yeah. more kind of it's it's more it's less uh, theatrical. It's, it's that yeah. thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Freddie's version would probably. Although that version was a demo version, it would yeah. probably have uh, been a bit too theatrical. Aye, uh, and it needs it needs a kind of straight delivery, and Brian yeah. can do that. I think, but it's yeah. Freddie, you know. I, I think he maybe maybe the way he did we you take my breath away in the previous album, he attacked it in that kind of way. With his voice it really softens his voice, you know, and, and might have yeah. it sounded kind of kind of nice. But anyway, but just a wee point that you know I agree with Paul. It's kind of like the. The one time where me sounds better than Freddie or, or suits the song better than Freddie. It's a better, definitely. Aye. And, uh, you know, it was the death of his cat and, you know, Brian and Fr- Freddie are into cats and cats are I'm more of a dog person, man, aye. Cats are dicks, come on. It's the dogs on the way, man. Come on. Oh, you know cats. that, innit? <laughs> <laughs> They're nasty, man. They're evil. They're like the serial killers of the, the animal world, man. Absolutely, man. 100%. 
Just feed um, me and let me go and kill people. Um, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to bring up one uh, now. I want, to, I want to talk about fight from the inside. I'm going to bring this up now. Um, it's actually a mixed track. We're almost in sequence. Actually, <laughs> we're almost in sequence here. Obviously, Roger's track, and uh, he plays guitar and bass on this. Just another brilliant Roger, feel good, pounding away. It's um, the the you know the drums sound absolutely brilliant on this track. I'm sure he was he was you know really at the on the faders on this one um, because it sounds fantastic. The drums just pound, and that backbeat thing he's got going on. Just with the open, the open heart that we talked about in one of the previous podcasts, that just really comes to the fore on this. So it's it's pretty much you know all his in- instrumentation um, on this. I, again, not a massive a lot, not a hell of a lot to say about the track. I mean, we 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 all know that Trent Reznor stole the stole one uh, of the riffs. That was one of my points, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, still still mm-hmm. one of the riffs from it for oh, uh, for oh. last. That's right. Uh, on, on the broken uh, EP, on, on the broken okay. EP, which is bloody good EP, man. I really like it a lot. It's, it's, a, it's really good. But a nine inch nails. That's because it's still a Queen riffs, but <laughs> well, maybe I. No, nine inch nails, good, cool band, but no, absolutely. Trent Reznor stole that riff. It's it's on that song, um, and of course he covered "Get Down, Make Love." Um, you know, off the same before. record. On the B side of it was on the B side of Sin, um, but yeah, right. so he's obviously obviously got an affinity for this album. You know, you can you know we talked about James Hetfield maybe possibly on the last album, but definitely Trent yeah. Reznor's got a thing for this album. I think maybe you know we know he's a big Queen fan anyway, so that would make a lot of sense. And one thing I put down here about this track is, although we mentioned about Rogers' tracks being um, feel good and you know the the teenager in them's coming out and all the rest of it. He never really repeats himself because this doesn't sound like. If you actually think of all the Roger tracks to this day, the ones he sings on, and I think at this point every track he wrote he sang on. Yeah, to this point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, every yeah. track he wrote yeah. he sang. They they don't. He, he doesn't repeat himself. They all get different vibes, but a similar soul and a similar heart to them. But they, I put they, down. I put down as it's kind of. I sorry. I put down. He writes. He writes uh, working man street anthems. Yeah. <laughs> Working man street. He's a geezer. I've got to tell him. Working man street anthems. Get it there. He's a fucking geezer. Is this no Slash's favourite song or something like that? Queen song? I read that. It's his favourite riff. It's one of his favourite riffs. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can um, totally hear. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite sleazy, isn't it? It's like aye, a, totally. Aye, aye. The way the bass slides in. You know, and then... Yep. I think maybe Roger has had some influence on the the oncoming, you know, in the eighties, the the kind of glam metal thing. I think a, a lot of these yeah. guys maybe have a thing for Roger Taylor, you know. I think his spirit and all that is is in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> you know the kind of you know the good time kind of lyrics and all that, and you know. Uh, Are you comparing this to Girls, Girls, Girls? Is that yeah, effectively what you're doing here? Ah. That's a good tune, but I, I mean, I'm, I don't like Motley Crue, but that is a good tune, man. I'm saying Roger Taylor is fucking ridiculous, man. That is, I do like it. That's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Because it, it is great. Motley are great, man. No, they're not. <laughs> up to a point. Great. Aye. They're all right. Dial it back, man. Great. They're okay, up, man. Calm up down, to Dr. Feelgood, they were all right. 
Yeah, Dr. Feelgood's all right. Ask us some questions. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. Up, up right, to I, I, I the Queen. All right. I've actually sang that better than fucking yeah, aye, Vince Neil because he's a okay. terrible singer. Kickstart his heart. Aye, aye. <laughs> I get past the fucking a... gristle first, man. Says he's having a cornery, man. <laughs> but um, God, I can rest. <laughs> right, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to talk to me. You you mentioned this track earlier on, so I thought thought it'd be good for you to talk about it then, since you you've got a wide of notes for this one. Who needs you? All right, okay, cool. There am I. Actually, I lied. I don't have that much on it. <laughs> no, I have more. I have more than I do. I I, I have more than I did for um, uh, champions. So interesting. Yeah. Um, who need you, man? Uh, again, it's just a almost a kind of low key song on the record. But that that's not in any way. I, I, you know, I'm not slandering it in any way for that. And I think it's it's common knowledge that John plays the the Spanish guitar parts on it, which is, I've wrote here, I mean, the, the, the guy's like um, an amazing guitar player, man. I don't even think Brian May could have played that, those parts, is tight. See how, and, and, and like, you could have told me that was a, an actual, you know, a trained mm-hmm. um, Spanish guitar player that played those parts because he's got the, he's got the rasguado, he's got all that, bang on, you know, you know what I'm talking about, David, you've done all that kind of stuff, you know. Kind of raking the strings of the way, like kind of you know Spanish guitar, classical guitarists doing in certain tracks, or tracks in certain pieces of music. Yeah. Sorry, because I, I, I was I was just thinking, why why did they need Steve Howe to do the middle bit and innuendo? That's a good point. Yeah. Actually, I actually wondered that myself when you've got somebody like him that can play uh-huh. that type of stuff. No, but if anything, that's more that's more impressive. Yeah. We've oh, just lost every Yes we've fan lost, now that was listening to this We've lost podcast. cat lovers and Yes fans. <laughs> That's how we were. Motley Crue fans. After this one goes out. Motley Crue. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we were putting on mock Cockney accents as well, so I've just lost yeah. all our, well, our, our summer London anyway. So <laughs> Lost all the fucking geezers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, what Steve Howe does and then you end up, we'll get to that. And I, I, oh, it's excellent. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Now, but, but, I, again, but I think, I think there, was, there, was, there was a really interesting thing I saw on uh, Queen Songs. I actually looked at that today as well. Um, the, the website I talked about before where it breaks down the, the music theory of each Queen song and talks about all the modes it's in and, and who played what and how they, how they approached it all. And uh, it mentioned um, on the notes in this song, it mentioned that John played classical guitar in the 60s um, mm-hmm. in a band he was in. They actually played and he was playing... You know classical gas and all that and all these songs. So all right, that would explain part, it then. It's a part of John's life that I'm not familiar with, and if anyone mm. can shed any any more light on that, that'd be really cool. Join us, you know, throw something in the comments on this. But that's um, cool, man. Interesting. So, so yeah. obviously, I mean, it's no, it's no. Obviously, he must have had some chops in that kind of area anyway. So it's not a big surprise. But no, it was really cool. But um, and and that website again, a big shout out to it. Um, you should check it out queensongs.info. It's really really. A really good website to to get the real the real stuff behind the songs. We are just not just the dickheads that you know, <laughs> don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know, gotta take a wee breather just now. We're gonna come back to the tracks, but given this was nineteen seventy seven and um, the album came out in October, but there was the the very famous interview that summer in June. In fact, it's almost to the day 
the day we're recording, I think tomorrow would be the anniversary of that that going that getting published. This this very famous article. The article was "Is this man a prat?" and it was was by Tony Stewart, and it was for the NME, and it was an interview that Freddie gave um, in John Reed's house, and um, I think it was Kensington possibly. What I what I asked the, the gents to do, Paul and Joe, because I'd read it today uh, for the first time. I just you know, seen quotes from it previously. And I thought it'd be worthwhile talking about that because I read it for the first time today and I thought it would be good to get your thoughts on the actual article itself. Paul, you know, I'm going to come to you first. Um, You've read the article. What's What's your take on the article? Do you think it was fair? Do you think there was anything about it that was fair? Do you think it was a hatchet job? What's your, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, it's a hatchet job. It's a character assassination. It's a yeah. It's it's completely unfair. Um, this guy just arrived with an agenda, and uh, when you go and interview someone, you're supposed to get their side of things. You're not meant to uh, impose what you think onto them. You're just you know you, you're just there to get a story. You know, for instance, uh, you know, a direct quote, at a time I tell him of great musical change when the new wave is at the very least causing us all to re-examine our rock credo. Queen are alienating themselves from this very culture. Worst of all, they appear to be guilty of the cardinal sin, believing their own myth. A rock gig is no longer the ceremonial idolisation of star by fans. You know, this guy's got an agenda. That's his opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the year of punk. If you're not punk, you're a dinosaur, you're irrelevant, all this crap. You know, it's, it's always a funny thing to me that all, all the dinosaurs that were around before punk come out the other side of punk unscathed. And, you know, punk didn't destroy anything. Punk destroyed itself. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, what can I say? Uh, yeah, the guy. I, I, and Freddie, he, he gives as good as he gets, really. You know, he, he, he sticks up for himself, you know. Uh, it's an interesting article, and everyone should read it, you know. Make up their own mind. Maybe they'll see it differently. Maybe they'll think yeah. Freddie is a prat. I know. think, I'll be honest, I think I do see it slightly different from you, Paul, because when I was reading it today, I didn't think it was a hatchet job. And I think if it hadn't had the title as This Man A Pratt and just had a more or less, a less evocative title, it might have been just filed away as a, you know, an interview where there was a bit of back and forth. That's how I, I've only read it the one time, and that was today, right. and that's how it sits with me. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because um, you can't you can't get away from the fact that in 1977 Freddie was out of touch with the normal person. That can't be that can't be disputed. Freddie wasn't Freddie wasn't you know. It, it's it's how you look at it, I guess. I mean, the guy yeah. the guy that's the bricklayer that saved up all his money to go and see them at Earl's Court might want to be toasted with champagne. Yeah, and want that theatrical side of it. But you might get the other side that where I think this Tony Stewart was coming from, where really, man, I've just busted my ass all week to, and you're 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 flaunting your wealth. You're listening to the wrong band, then. You're listening. Yeah, well, you've been listening it. to the wrong band yeah. from, from day that's one, it. then. But, if you don't expect but, Queen to, to have that, 
then you're, you're, then what have you been listening to? Because if it's not like the shy from day one, they were always flamboyant and Freddie especially mm-hmm. always, you know, talking about he's check my gloves, you know, the devil made yeah, it for yeah. me himself. Stuff. And all that, yeah, Still, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that guy's an I'm sorry, that guy's an asshole in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, because like he's trying to tell, he's trying to already speak for somebody that's at a Queen gig. And, and say what they think their interpretation of how Freddie acts on stage is going to reflect yeah. on them. How, how, how the fuck does he know that's that's going to be the case? Yeah. Those people, like I said, those people know what Queen are about. They paid their money to go to that show. Yeah. And I would be, I'd be hard pushed if it, exactly, I'd be hard pushed for anybody to come out of that show and not have been entertained, man. Mm-hmm. So that guy, for mm-hmm. that yeah. for that reason, I think the guy's talking shit. But I do agree, I'm kind of half between Paul and yourself, David. I don't, Part of me when I was reading it, I don't think it was a pure hatchet job, but I no. think the guy, the guy's agenda, took yeah. over the interview oh, rather rather than rather than you know you can yeah. tell me how how defensive Freddie is from the start yeah. anyway. Yeah. yeah, you know this guy's uh, maybe maybe already heard that this guy's got a reputation. There was uh, yeah, he was, this, he mentions, I mean? yeah, he mentions the fact that they they talked uh, three years previous um, before, and so Freddie's got his measure and. And so they, they, there was there was animosity from the start as you read in the interview yeah, yeah, and, and there's there's yeah. back and forth. But there's insults getting traded, you know. Um oh, totally. Um, you know, yeah, Freddie, totally. Freddie, Freddie, you know, reduces the journalist to, you know, not actually moving forward in the last three years, whereas yeah. Freddie had. No you know, so he equates himself yeah. with, with him. You know, he says, yeah. says something about you should be running the Times or something, editor for the Times now. And, <laughs> I like that. You know, you're <laughs> you're nothing basically. So right. you know, it was good. Um, but I, I found myself genuinely, though, and and I and I, think I, t- I take your point, Joe. Um, I really do. But I did find myself thinking, I, I even can't relate to what Freddie's saying here. You know, talking about ballet stuff and these costumes and all the rest of it. It was really vapid to me. It, it meant nothing to me. It, you know, reading that, I was just thinking, I don't really care. But that's the difference. I don't care about what Freddie wears and and where he got it from and. It's the fact that Freddie was, was putting a lot of weight behind these things, and I don't think it really carries that much weight. I think that's where maybe I saw the journalist point a wee bit. I don't see any, any you know, Freddie was really putting all his, the, 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 you know, me wearing a Nijinsky costume means something. It means something to you personally, but to everyone else, it's not really going to mean anything. You know, it's not really going to mean much. I thought he put a lot of gravitas behind that. That's why I, can, I was just trying to be objective again, as, as we all try and be on these pods. But um, but I, I didn't get to the end of it and think, I didn't think any less of Fred. You know, I thought, I agree with you guys, he, he gave as good as he got. But I thought that the journalist was a twat, but maybe not as much as I expected him to be. Because at, what, at points he did concede to, to Queen's musicality and he did concede the fact that they, they weren't a bad band. You know, he mentioned obviously two tracks in the previous album being his, being his, being good tracks. So tie your mother down and white man. Both you heavy know, ones, may add. So he's probably that's probably the guy's yeah, emo man. He's probably possibly. just that. I'll, I'll, he's he's just look for the yeah, yeah, exactly. So he obviously yeah. can't handle so, anything that's out with his yeah his musical so taste. I think, I think this is, and I really like the comment from Freddie where he said that this. I'm not using Queen as a vehicle. You know, if it's been suggested that I'm using the band as a vehicle to further myself in terms of my image and who I am, it's for a band. And that's evident I, from that's evident from the fact that, you know, Joe mentioned that made, made a very good point about a lead singer is confident and is assured of himself and Fred, as Freddie is, you know, 
stepping aside to allow Brian and Roger to do take lead vocals on the tracks, you know. So, he's a team player, man. He's a team player. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think that's. But like I say, I read it the once. I didn't want to read it again. Just wanted to keep it fresh in my and my get my career. And I, I think you guys probably did the same. And um, I just didn't think it was as bad as I expected it to be. And and I could, and I'll be honest, I'm not going to just just for the sake of the podcast and and to to agree with um, all the Queen fans out there. I didn't think it was that bad a hatchet job. And there may be one or two points the journalist made that I, I could see. I could, I could I, understand. I agree. The thing that annoyed, the thing that just annoyed me. Again, I'm not going to go into too much, but the thing that annoyed me is like uh, he's sitting telling a guy, "This new movement's happening. You need to move with it." Aye. Who, who is this guy? I mean, I mean, yeah. Who's anybody to tell anybody that they need to change their music because this new movement's happening? That was the thing that annoyed me. Well, I mean, I, I get, I get that. You know, stuff about Freddie kind of coming across out of touch and that. But yeah, I, I get that 100%. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. But the very fact that this guy thinks he can, you know, call the shots for other folk and, and uh, you know, he can actually have the audacity to sit and tell this guy yeah. who sold, sold millions of yeah, records absolutely. that he needs to get hit to the new sound that's coming. For me, that's why the guy's a cretin. It's, I think he could have made. I think he could have made the points that he was making in a better, in a better way, and a, and a, and it might have been. A, it might have been a, a bit more of a. Um, you know, he didn't have to be as nasty as he was in terms of getting these points across. Because I think, um, I think, like I say, there were one or two decent points that, that mm-hmm. he made, but he's making them in such a twatty way. It's reactionary as well. He's looking for. He's looking. Looking for a reaction, but again, I, I didn't think it was like a total hatchet job. I thought there yeah. were, I totally agree with you there, but I just, I just don't see it. You know, a journalist telling somebody, you know, a creative person, because let's face it, a journalist is just a reporter and, and gives opinions. We, you know, you could say what we are doing is in some way no, and, and, was... in lines with journalism. Yeah. You know, we're we're taking opinions, opinions. I've said it before. Opinions are like arseholes. Everybody's got one, but I would never ever think to even say to a band that. I'd, that I didn't like. If I was sent to interview a band that I didn't like, I would try to, I would try to make my questions fair. For, the, for you know, I try to get to the root of you know what that band's about, what they stand for. What I wouldn't do, what I wouldn't do is like try to you know set my my own standards and put it onto them because that's yeah. that's bad journalism. Mm. But then, that's, uh, and that's the thing, that, yeah, I thought there was a, a bit of contradiction from the from this Tony Stewart as well because he. Um, he, I think it, again, I don't get the quotes in front of me, um, but he, he said, you know, Freddie is kind of reminding me, he starts every sentence with, but you've got to understand or something, what's to that effect. But That's yet right. at the same time, yeah. he won't take any lessons, he won't take any lessons for Freddie, but he's quite happy to give them out to Freddie, you know. Exactly. It's, you know, it's like, so, you know, it's a wee bit, and inform Freddie, because, you know, have you know woken up, is this new thing happening outside your window? And it's like, of course, he'll be aware of what's going What's going you on? Heard you know, Stone, have you heard Stone Cold Crazy, mate? <laughs> well, there's a track we're going to talk about um, in the second half of this pod, you know. <laughs> Paul, yeah. uh, Paul, have you got anything else? Anything else yeah, there's, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find it. I'm looking at the, the, the thing now. But there's a, there's a bit where Freddie says, what, what do, you, do, you, do you expect me to wear a pair of jeans and go up and sing? Aye, that's right, yeah. Right? And I thought that was quite funny because, you know, on the 13th of July, 1985, he does that very thing. And it's the, great, <laughs> the, greatest, point, the greatest 21 minutes in rock history. 
Yeah, it's uh, just a, just a funny wee thing, you know. Where I've it, got you know. it. I've I've got it. I found it here. So the quote is: "Can you imagine?" He asked, his voice shaking at the thought of such a horrifying prospect. Doing the sort of songs that we have written, like Rhapsody or Somebody to Love in jeans with absolutely no <laughs> presentation. Yeah. So, aye, interesting. Aye. Good, really, good, yeah. really good thing to bring up. I, I, I thought that was funny, you know, because. <laughs> it's his worries most iconic kind of looks. So, uh, yeah. it, yeah. it turned out that his star quality was such that he could do it in a pair of jeans. No yeah, lights, yeah. no nothing, exactly. you know. But, but I wouldn't change it. That's the thing. I wouldn't change how Freddie was on stage and no. you know and what he wore and all. I wouldn't change any of the seventies. I wouldn't say, "Ah, yeah, jeans and the vest back in seventy-seven. No, I, I, even when we go on to talk about the next album, you know, he's got all the PVC on. I just like it looks, yeah. it looks fucking brilliant. <laughs> just, you know, that's my so, favorite. That's my favorite live era of Queen, man. Uh, the seventy-seventy-nine sort of thing, man. That, I don't have to have seen them then. It's, it's a footage is battering fuck it there. Wrecking the joint. The amps ah, or something. He's stand. Yeah, uh, yep. that's right. Paul, I'm going to come back to you. I've got the I've got the vinyl sitting here, and I'm going to I'm just looking down the track listing. And do you know what? Given you're a big blues man, Paul, I'm going to give you sleeping on the sidewalk. Talk to me about that. For the third podcast, I'm going to mention the name of Mister Rory Gallagher. Because this, yeah, this. Although Brian never says it, it's a tribute to him. I, mean, I, you know, it absolutely is. It, it sounds, you know, it sounds like Rory Gallagher. The lyrics are, are got that witty quality to them that Rory would write as well. And again, like he has been doing in this album, it's just. In fact, this 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 track is literally one take. He did it in one take. That's right. So he basically played it live in the studio, and that was it. Done. Oh, I was, wasn't even aware yeah. of that. Yeah, apparently, so, if you listen to it, you can hear there's uh, bum notes, John playing yeah, bum notes yeah. and stuff. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, so it's gone from taking a you know uh, taking a month to do good company to doing things in one take, you know, in the space of two albums, you know. So Brian, in terms of you know progression or whatever, is you know um, becoming a different type of guitar player, maybe um, more comfortable, just letting it rip. I'm not saying he's hiding, you know, um, you know, his playing in lots of layers or whatever, but um, this, these songs don't need this, so I'm not going to do it, you know. Um, uh, and it, yeah, it's a, a, you know, blues songs tend not to be, you know, great great pieces of art or whatever, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's, it is what it is. Um, and it, it's quite quite impressive that it's one take with the, the bum notes and everything from uh, John, and and it's good that they just left them in and just thought you know leave it, it's fine, and uh, as I say, it, it's a it's a testament to the overall attitude to this album. It's like just get get it down, get the vibe. That's it, you know. If it's good, leave it, kind of thing. Don't overcook it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Joe shared a video with us today, uh, myself and Paul from Rick Beato. Uh, Rick Beato is on YouTube and um, a, a very accomplished musician and he breaks down um, songs, not even necessarily classic songs. It could be from all sorts of genres and, and even really deep cuts. And, he, and, he, and he's got one series called uh, Why This Song Is Great and it'll break down songs. But Joe said there's one today talking about... Um, you know the the imperfections, or the 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 fact that music's now perfect, 
um, from a point of view of production and you know what Pro Tools is is done to to uh, music and of course that happened in the eighties, which he concedes to with Mutt Lang and Def Leppard. Jeez, oh, yep. um, truly awful band. Um, and uh, you know when it, was, when it was just all absolutely rinsing every every bit of um, you life. know life and right. soul out of the song. Yeah. So it's really cool. We're talking about Queen, who is 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 hard working as they were in the studio. They still wanted to capture the vibe, you know, as well. And um, you know, and that's and that's you know just an absolute testament to them. Joe, any thoughts on? Um, no, Paul said everything that I would have said. They pretty much verbatim. It's uh, it's it's a, it's just a really really good song, and I like that. You, you can kind of tell that it's it's done in one take, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's if it just cause it, it, it didn't call for anything else other than you know those guys were such great musicians that they, they could do a live take and put it on a record. They were that yeah. good, you know. Is uh, I'm not saying it was a particularly difficult song to pull off in the studio. It's pretty, pretty simple, you know. Uh, when you put it against other Queen compositions and stuff, but I mean, I it was just that they had a tune. It's a blues tune, probably staying with the ethics of blues in itself. You know, blues guys weren't going in and taking 500 years to to put a, yeah. put a solo Good down. Point. You know, what I mean, those guys like Robert jo- Robert Johnson and stuff like that. You know, BB King, people like that. You know, they they were going in and Probably, probably most of their shit, full albums, were just like press press record, and let me just go. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was maybe a, a little bit of that mindset, with you know, trying to almost kind of um, inhabit that that world. You know, it's just like yeah. press press record and let's do this and keep the keep the little imperfections there because that essentially is what you know gives blues its its, its heart. You know, I'm not a massive. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not a, a massive blues guy. I mean, I respect it. Uh, and I respect, you know, how important it is to the evolution of rock music and stuff. But, but yeah, great song. I love it. It's, yeah. it's excellent. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I really like the song a lot. Nothing really much to add. All you gents. I, write, I like the lyrics. The lyrics you say is the lyrics are kind of yep. uh, witty and stuff. And, and they are. I even just the line took me to a room without a table. <laughs> told me to blow into here like he had no idea what a studio was and just you know just yeah. just really kind of really naive we you know the the you know the the, the person the, the rags to riches kind of guy is is really kind of naive about the whole process and I think it's really cool I really good like sto- good storytelling man I really good sto- storytelling I really like his voice on it as well you know he's got, he's, he's kind of you know, slightly deeper and you know, one of the uh, few uh, one of the few times he, he, when he actually kind of brought his voice. In a little bit more, mm-hmm. like you know, says a power, but it worked. That this is maybe another example of of if Freddie had sung it, it wouldn't be that good. No, definitely agree. Yeah. Totally agree, yeah. man. Totally Freddie's not got a blues voice at all, really. Yeah. You know, and um, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I didn't mention it at the start, but they they only spent two months recording this album, and the right. previous albums, you know, on average, will certainly date the races for four months. So they they deliberately gave themselves a lot less time, and I think they they actually pulled all the material together in three weeks. You know, <laughs> so so Insane. there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to we're going to bring up. Uh, well, I'll bring this up. I'll I'll mention this first. Um, it's it's one of the big ones uh, on the album for me, and I'm sure you guys will be the same. It's uh, sheer heart attack. The song. Yes. The reason I'm bring, bringing that up because it actually reminded me. You know, given that you know the band the band pulled the material together in three weeks, well, 
this is actually an old song. This is an old Queen song. This is one that Roger had half written for the Sheer Heart Attack album and never managed to finish off. So it ended up on, on News of the World. Sheer Heart Attack, for me, is, is just an absolute blistering song. It's just never lets up. Paul mentioned it before. I don't know if it made the final edit, but you know, J- Jethro Tull made an album where they were constantly getting called a, called Thick as a Brick, where they're constantly getting called a prog rock band. And they went, we're not a prog rock. Do you know what? We'll yeah. make a prog album. There's your prog yeah. album. One it's, almost like, it's almost like Queen have went, do you know what? Do you want a punk song then? There you go. Yeah. There you go. We can yeah. do it as well. That's you know, what, that, you know, that, and ended yeah. up writing a hardcore song. <laughs> exactly, man. You know, That's what I've written. Queen punk, invented hardcore. Punk band guys who can play. Here. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, I missed miss what you said there. I, I've written down here, punk by guys who can play. Aye, yeah. And I, I think it's really cool. There's a lot, lots about it. Um, again, similar to Fight From The Inside, most of the instrumentation is, is Roger. Roger plays a bass. Roger plays a rhythm guitar on it. Um, he shares some of the vocals with Freddie, you know, coming in and some of the, the choruses and he does the wee, take your but not that. So he does the wee bits, not the wee bits, you know. It is aggression, total aggression. I love yep. how high the rhythm guitar is in the mix as well. It's really high in the mix. And had Brian May played that rhythm guitar, I do not think it would have had the same attack and aggression. I think because totally Roger yep. was yep. Right. just, he, 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 he was comfortable pounding away on one chord for a long time. Yep. You know, he was okay with that. Whereas I think Brian, that's why I don't really like the live version as much. Another example of, I prefer the pseudo version to the live version. Live version's cool. But what when Brian's playing it, he turns into a kind of blues thing, and it just takes away the. the, the it's like a rock and roll vibe. He gives it. It's, it's a rock yeah, exactly. Vibe, the kind of blues, it rock, blues, like, and all that. Yeah, sorry, more rock and roll than blues. I should, I should aye. say, yeah, Joe. You're, I'm, I know everything's blues based, right enough, but you know, aye, but more rock and roll. That's probably what I meant. And that's why the track is so good. You know, even the the noisy squeals that, that Brian May does it towards the end. Amazing, man. Solo, it's just. It's, I'm going to make a. We're just gonna make an absolute fucking racket here. It, it's a punk song, man. It is. It's punk yeah. chords, punk structure. It's everything about it is. Mm. And the way Freddie just um, again, we talked about the way Freddie can shape shift his voice. He manages to make himself sound not even like himself on this song. I totally. Yeah. Which is just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I just just one of my favourite tracks on this album. Could be one of my favourite Queen tracks, you know. You know, there's a lot of tracks out there. You could, could be my I top twenty. I think I, I think it is in my top twenty. I just love hearing it. I love, love, love hearing this song, and I never yeah. get tired of it. It's just, yeah. it's perfect. It's a perfect yeah. Queen song. I've got a wee story to tell that's related to this song that I think that needs to be told. I play in a band called Man Must Die. We're we're a kind of extreme metal band, right? It's like really, really, it's like full on. Like blast beats, you know the, the full works. You know what I mean. I'm wearing one of your t-shirts, mate. Look, there you go, man. Oh, so you are representing, good man. <laughs> um, obviously, playing extreme, extreme music, right? So Alan, we were playing a gig somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And so Alan, Alan being the guitarist in the band. Alan, right? Alan's a guitar player in the band. Yeah, um, he picked me up, and I think I had my iPod on me, if I remember right. And him being, you know, he he's a guy that you know I I love kind of schooling. Because, you know, so anyway, <laughs> so we were driving and we'd been listening to shit like, crypt, you know, people probably won't know any of this stuff, but we're listening to bands like Cryptopsy and, you know, really, really full on death metal stuff. 
So I decided to take a shot at the iPod, right? So I, I've, you know, I fired on sheer heart attack. So mm-hmm. well, he's kind of, so he's kind of half talking to people in the back of the van. I'm sitting up up the front with him, put it on, and it's loud. And he's like that. I'm sorry, I'm going to swear, right? Because you need to swear for the for the story. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Who, who's this? And I was like, it's Queen. He was like, that's that's Queen. I was like, aye. He's like, all right, all right, all right. And you can see his face, you know what I mean? He was like, what the fuck's going on here, man? He was like, somebody threw, threw fucking water onto fucking wires or something. It was like <laughs> sparking and shit. And um, so we kind of, so the song keeps playing and this, this look of bewilderment's on his face and shit like that. And then obviously a bit of talking back and forth, but I could see he was still kind of listening to it. And then that bit, the, the bit came in. And he went, he actually turned around and went, going to turn that down. And I went, what? <laughs> and he went, that's hurting my ears. And I was like, yes. Finally. <laughs> I was like, Queen, you've been listening to full-on death metal and you want me to turn that Queen track down because it's fucking me your ears. So I was like, that's, no that's all the confirmation I needed, man. He couldn't handle that, man, because it was so obnoxious and eh, it was so grating. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah. There you go, that just shows you how... I mean, I, and I'll go on record to say this right now, right? 100%, that is the most... It might not be the heaviest Sonic collection you get Sabbath. That is the most aggressive song that was ever written to that point in musical history. You And bring it on. If somebody wants to point out another song that can match that in aggression at that time, bring it on, man, because I think that to that point, that was the most aggressive song ever written. Because I don't know, and I listen to a lot of stuff for that era, rock bands, purple, you know, Sabbath bands like that, you know, and a bunch of others. And that. there's nobody, not even the punk bands were coming close. In to terms that of shit, that guitar that attack, shit, I mean, that fucking, yeah. it's, we it's, talked it's, about. Uh, it's making, it's making a guy that exactly it's making a yeah. guy that listens to death metal like thirty odd <laughs> years later ask me to turn it down because it was too, it was too much for him. And I was like, so. Uh, that tells you I mean, you, you need talk, to know about that. That's the thing. You could talk about um, bollocks, which we talked about, you know, earlier on in the podcast. And, and obviously, Leiden's got a sneery voice and a kind of obnoxious voice, which Freddie doesn't have on this song. But if you that talk about the guitar attack on oh, versus... The, night and day. The guitar attack versus anything on bo- bollocks. The guitar attack on Shiat attack... Oh, it crushes you. Highly, it's like, it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it crushes. It crushes. And, and I mean the guitar cool. attack in terms of a punk riff. Aye, absolutely. Aye, totally. You know, it's like, anyway. uh, it's just, I, it, I just love the song so much. I, I love it just because I love ramming it down people's throat. But, you know, <laughs> like, like you know, there's this other side of Queen that you don't know about. And then you put that shit on, and I've done it to a bunch of folk, and it's just like, eh, that's Queen. I was like, aye. Get it, get it right up you. <laughs> <laughs> a good Glasgow, uh, Glasgow line that. Get it right up you. <laughs> Paul, you, you need to come in here because we have... Aye, sorry, mate. Um, no, a couple of points. Um, I, I guess Roger must have got a set of Rototoms for his, his Christmas. Oh, right, yeah. he does that. that, wee, that yeah, wee, yeah, the, the kind of Rototom yeah, break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cool, man. Uh, uh, also, the lyrics, I, I feel so inarticulate and all that. I, I know he wrote, uh, he wrote this song before, uh, or maybe he didn't, maybe it was just the music and... You know, yeah, that. Like, so. but you know, you, you can't help but thinking the the more mischievous side of you is thinking maybe can I put that in for Sid Vicious? You know, I could be. I thought <laughs> that myself. Sid was a bit of a uh, 
clown. Uh, wasn't, wasn't very bright, you know. So it's just a, just an interesting thing about it. Or maybe it's just a, a comment, commentary and maybe, you know, just youth or whatever. And the, or maybe, the, you know, the, the things that were happening at the time, you know, punk, whatever. I think I think if there was one guy in Queen that would they would probably grasp in the punk thing at the time, it would have been Roger. I, I guess yeah, see yeah. him as being the guy who would yeah. have grasped it and thought, do you know what? Yeah. There's something actually quite interesting going on here. You know, um, yeah. it, it seems to me the guy that would have latched onto it in some way or, or at least been very curious about it. Great track, and I think we're all in agreement on that. And so we're going to move on. We've not got that, that many tracks left. We've done all of side one. So we've done We Will Rock You, We Are the Champion, Sheer Heart Attack, All Dead, All Dead. We've not actually Spread Your Wings. Um, we've, not, we've not done Spread Your Wings. So, so Joe, uh, Spread Your Wings, talk to me about that track. Some about Spread Your Wings, it just makes me want to cry. Especially the, see the, 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 the outro of the song, the, the guitar work that Brian May does. I, I don't know what it is yeah. about the, the, what, what those notes he's playing. It's just always kind of brings, almost brings a tear to my eye. It's just mm-hmm. so beautifully played um, I've got a couple of notes here and stuff that I've jotted down um, um, it's it's my favourite John Deacon song Death 100% and I, I, I love a lot of his compositions and stuff but this one's just so so good man and I think the what I really love about it is uh, it, it paints a picture you know what I mean the, the lyrics again are very um, I think it's a common theme in this album actually there's a lot of a lot of storytelling going on, you know, little, little, little kind of cinematic things. I mean, they've, they've had it in the past as well, I know that, but, you know, just, you know, the whole, the guy's kind of stuck in a dead-end job and, you know, he's dreaming of bigger things and, you know, he's he, he basically kind of trying to, you know, live his dream. That's the vibe I get, obviously, from it. Also, the, you know, I think the guitar playing's just amazing. It's really tasteful guitar playing. It's not overworked, you know, it's no big, massive... I mean, there is a couple of bits of the kind of power chords and stuff, but, you know, it, 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 there isn't any guitar in it that, that doesn't service the song. I think everything's played just the right amount, you know, just the right amount of guitar playing. It's just it's just a beautiful song, and Freddie's vocals are just immense on it as well, man. They're so soulful. I think... I don't know what it is about John's songs, but... I don't know if you guys will agree with me here, but he sings the shit out of John's songs. Not that I mean that he doesn't sing the shit out of everybody's songs. It does. But it does something about, like, you know, my best friend, stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? It just it just seems to ramp. I don't know if it just speaks to him a wee bit more as a vocalist than some of the other stuff does, but it just he sings the absolute shit out of that song. And there's a, there's a kind of soul, a soulfulness to the vocals as well. Again, obviously, harking back to... John being a big fan of, you know, soul music and that that sort of stuff. Maybe that's where Freddie's drawn the inspiration for his vocal style, you know, that really kind of passionate vocal style that, that goes with that, that style of music. For a, a very long time, this was my favourite ever Queen song. I wouldn't um, argue with that. You know, um, until uh, Innuendo came out, the, the song Innuendo, and Innuendo's my favourite now. But spread your wings for many years was just my, and, and like Joe says, it seems to it, it, it connects with you emotionally, and the, the the kind of outro guitar solo thing, you know, he's just Brian's just picking these notes, and they just, the, each note is just like it's like right on your fucking heartstrings, yeah. you know, just just genius, absolute genius, you know, guitar playing, it's just a great song, man. It's like 
I, I'm tearing up just thinking about it, man. It's a fucking great song. What can Aye. I say? You know, Aye. I hear that less is more guitar thing at the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's all about picking the right notes and yep. no yep. overplaying and all that. Absolutely, and Brian, absolutely. Brian is, you know, master of that. Yeah, you know, the only guy coming close to him, maybe maybe Dave Gilmer, but. Uh, yeah, Dave Gilmore's amazing for yeah. that as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but amazing, amazing. I think the point was made about, you know, it being, it feels like you want to weigh a Listen, listening to it. And I picked up on that. It's like the first one I've heard from John where it sounds almost melancholic. Whereas yeah. all these other ones seem to be quite uplifting and poppy, you know, very major key sounding. Um, whereas this one seems to be a bit, you know, a bit more sad sounding. So that, that was interesting. First first time that I've heard John John's you know having that kind of vibe. The BBC version's really cool. They they, they speed up towards the end. They have a bit yeah. of a, almost kind of similar to yeah, it's late, which we're going to talk about, which is really cool. So that's worth a while checking out if you've not heard it. Just I just want to make a but yeah a comment on the video because in the video uh-huh. obviously it's the same setting as we will rock you as well. And uh, Freddie just looks fucking amazing in that. <laughs> the, the shades and the, the you uh, know the the flight jacket and all that. The star shaped shades. Aye, uh, and, and, and the roadies gloves. Aye, <laughs> he just he looks the man in that video. But anyway, that's not really here or there. But it's not the day with the music. But I just thought I'd mention. It. <laughs> so, cool. Three songs left. So um, next one I'm going to pick is "It's Late." And Paul, talk to me about this song. I think um, that, that there aren't really any kind of really epic songs in this album. There's no Bohemian Rhapsody or Prophet Song or anything like that really on this. But this is this is almost like an epic song, just in terms of its structure. It's like you know slow, fast, quiet, loud, and all that. Um, it kind of reminds me like um, I, I guess the subject matter of the song is about a relationship that's going wrong, and and I, and it always puts me. In, in a kind of picture where it's like a couple having an argument where they start off, you know, it's like, can we try and work this out? And then it's then it descends into anger, it's you, no, it's me, it's you, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth and all that. And the song kind of takes you through that, the kind of quiet, loud, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's the way I see it anyway, you know. And, and that kind of, the, the way it starts, that kind of just raking, I think it's a D chord or something, you know, and it, it just very quiet, very, you know, just a very understated kind of beginning and it builds and then it comes down again and, as I say, just like the ebb and flow of a, you know, a discussion, maybe late at night you're having with your, you know, significant other, you know, when things aren't going particularly well. It's a, it's a great song, it's like a tour de force kind of thing. And, you know, the, the playing on it's amazing, the drumming especially, you know, Roger plays his ass off on it. You know when it, it it goes, you know the fast bits and all that. You know, and Freddie's vocal performance is, as always, top notch. I think there are a few tracks on this album that are know, definitely uh, yeah. could be in my top ten. You know, um, I've never, never actually sat down and thought about it. But just before I bring Joe in, um, just a couple of quick points. I just want to just again, no, try to parrot what you're saying, Paul, but. As brilliant as the guitar work is on this song, um, and it is, it's so inventive, the amount of different vibes on it, and I think Brian said it was like a three-part play, he said, or something like that, yeah, that was the way yeah. the lyrics are, it's like a, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, the guitar work is just fantastic. You know, the chuggy beatdown bit. We have been so long. You know, the beatdown bit and all that. And the fast bit there, dynamically, guitar-wise, it's fantastic. But the absolute star of this song is the vocal melody and the vocal performance for me. Agreed. Is the absolute champion on this song. Um, the bit that we love, Joe, that we always talk about, it gives you the hairs in the back of the neck. Yep. Yep. I've been yep. wrong, but I'm learning yeah. to be right. Yeah. You know that? Oh, Freddie, amazing. Freddie just comes out of Freddie. Amazing. That, that, that proving that the guy was something else, man. Yeah. That, you yeah. know what I mean? But, What's the bit the, the, uh, that we all know what life is all about as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never toyed with the idea of, um, Putting the, the actual musical clips into this, I think if we did this, it'd be for the oh, it'd be, be, anyway. Taken <laughs> down, it'd be taken down, man. Yeah. 100%. Well, no, I think I think there is some. I think there is some concession you can, can be given to include this if you're if you're not monetizing it and all the rest of it. We have no intention of doing it. Doing it, so we'll just go. Clearly, Beavis and Butthead. Da, 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 da. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to bring Joe in because um, I've, I've I've said ultimately, you know, what I want to say about the song. It's a weird, it's weird, man, because this this is one of my favourite Queen songs. That this is why this album is my favourite Queen album. This this song has three of my favourite Queen songs on it, it being "It's Late," "Spread Your Wings," "Sheer Heart Attack," and it might might even be another couple in there as well, to be honest. But back to it, Slate, uh, you guys, uh, I'd really just be repeating everything you said, but, um, but uh, what I will point out is the the absolute strangeness in the solo. The, the, there's a lot of weird, weird stuff going on in there, man, and it's really interesting because a, a few years back, I found a video on YouTube, and it was, uh, I think it was for Japanese television, if I believe. Oh, the Starlix thing? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Starlix, that's yeah. the one, yeah. yeah. And Bri- Brian May was went through just little, it wasn't like full songs, it was just little licks and yeah. songs, and he, he did, the, he showed you how to play the, the lick, the solo in the song, or part of it at least, and I was just like, man, he's doing all sorts of weird hammer-on, pull-off, Weird, weird shit, man. Again, like totally thinking outside the box. Not, not in any way, shape, a blues solo. Probably more in a kinky, like almost jazz esque, um, in a way. Just it's really, it's it's really um, dissonant in a way. It's kind of it's really weird and kind of makes you feel a bit queasy. It's just a, it's an absolutely amazing uh, guitar solo and the approach to just the way he, he approached it was completely different from anything I'd really heard him do before, which just goes to show that the guy was constantly trying to evolve as a player. So, Again, it sounds as if he was maybe when he was playing, he was depressing the, the whammy. whammy bar as well. Uh, uh, you the, think that, you think that, and you, you watch the video, it's weird, he's like. Uh, a bit too technical to try and explain on here, but he's like, yeah. I know what you're saying. It does sound like that, but he, yeah. he's bending as he's as he's bending up. He's he's tap. He's fingering the fretboard. It's impossible to, to really so try it, to describe it unless you watch uh, the video. Watch like, the video like and of, see it. Almost like tapping kind of stuff. Then it's tapping, but it's not uh, not like Eddie Van Halen tapping. He's holding. Uh, he's like bringing a bend down onto another bend on another. Ah, uh, right. Uh, it's uh, weird. It's just really uh-huh. weird. It's, 
really unorthodox. Uh, mm. I love the guitar solos for that reason. Uh, I totally agree with David, man. The, the vocals in this thing, man, just send a shiver down my spine. That's, that's, I mean, this guy's the man. And I, don't, I know you guys agree. I mean... We're going to say this a lot, aren't we? <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, I mean yeah. but, but it's true though, man. This guy can... It is, this guy can, uh, I mean... Con- uh, oh, concert it, you can sing. It, it's, 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 again, it's just like... You've got this song where he's absolutely like... Like screeching, but with power, you know, no, it's no thin screech. It's like pure, absolute distortion in his voice, power. And then he sings something like "Melancholy Blues." I know which we'll go into next, but it's 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 as smooth as a baby's ass, man. It's like, uh, and then and then again, like we were talking about previously, sheer heart attack. He's he's, he's morphing his voice into another completely different sound that that makes him that, that doesn't sound like him. The guy's a chameleon, man. He's a total vocal chameleon. And really, I mean, he showcased it on pretty much every Queen album, if I'm honest. But this record, man, you know, we're having one of the most, well, some of the most extreme stuff that Queen did. And, you know, a beautiful song like Melancholy or Spread Your Wings. Yeah, but it's a total different vocal presentation, man. The, the guy was yeah. just, this was the, the, the turning, the absolute turning point in Freddie's voice for me where it became. Yeah, absolute power, like absolute power, like especially in the in the rock in the rock uh, arena sort of yeah. songs, man. Like the guy was at this point, he was untouchable, man. Mm-hmm. There was nobody. I think it was. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I think it, we talked about it in the last pod where it, it, it was we were starting to see a shift in his voice, yep. and the grit yep. and the the aggression, yep. but yep. not maybe throughout the whole album. But I think on this album, you can you know. You, you can hear his it. voice thickening up and, ah, totally, and getting, getting, you know, getting, getting stronger. You know, I would Absolutely. say. Aye, totally, um, man. Totally. You know, so um, yeah, a great vocal performance overall in the yeah. album. I think um, I'm going to I'm going to talk about uh, my melancholy blues, and then we'll finish up with get down, make love, because I think we should all get down and make some love at the end, man. Let's, let's do that up for that, man. Exactly, mate. Yep, I'm going to talk about my melancholy blues. The the track that finishes the album. Um, we talked about the track that probably should finish should have finished the album. You know, Freddie was quoted as saying, "You know, if jazz became the big thing, we wouldn't suddenly start playing jazz. But we don't follow trends and all the rest of it." But and then he says, "Well, but we can't play jazz anyway." And I'm thinking, "Well, that's a really good lounge jazz tune." They've shown that they can play the kind of tastier jazz stuff on Sweet Lady, although it's not a great track for us, but, you know, there's definitely jazz chops in that. So the chops are there to do it. So, yeah, I think he's just a, another example of Freddie downplaying his, his own talents and, you know, but um, this is just, just a great, you can see you can see it in the smoky, you know, cocktail bar and all that, you know, Freddie in the corner playing this and singing this away. But um, one thing, I'm going to depart slightly here because... One thing that I, <laughs> that I, I can't believe that none of us picked up on it and thought about <laughs> thought about it um, on the previous pods, especially in the night of the opera one. I'm thinking about Freddie playing. The, the reason I'm thinking this is because this is the first time you hear Freddie doing a piano song. That's that's he's t- again he's taking on a new persona. He's not doing the you know the the witty English gentleman and all that and all the other stuff and the the board, but he's it's just he's just played a really chilled out song and so taking on another persona again. Um, but I was thinking about the the songs that he normally plays, like the you know the no coward death stuff, and I thought about the penis song, you know uh, Monty Python, and 
Uh, essentially, that's it's the same thing, you know. And then I just thought, oh, I absolutely love the Freddy. Freddy, here's a song. That. Here's a song I tossed up in the Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear Freddy cover that song, <laughs> the penis, because <laughs> he'd be fucking brilliant at it, you know. They'd rock it. The world's tiniest tattoo to the world's biggest prick. Aye, what a chain. Anyway, this has got nothing to do with my melancholy blues, but I just I was surprised that we didn't, none of us clicked on that. But yeah, nothing much to say on it. I, I really like the Roger on the brushes. You know, obviously he's just playing the brushes instead of the sticks. Mm. That's really, really tasteful. They just, again, another example of Queen taking our style and nailing it and really getting it. Probably every album, they, they, they grab a style to a point. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe less so in the 80s, but certainly in the 70s, they seem to grab a style and, and really be able to imitate it, even up to you know, Crazy Little Thing, you know, with the Elvis thing and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. They seem to be able to just do that effortlessly. The, the, the live version's great as well. I, I like, you know, j- just just beside Freddie, um, John's on the, the sitting on the stool with a fretless bass playing away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. Yeah, great, great song. Uh, great vocal performance. Yeah. Um, an excellent song. And like Paul said, when Freddie just sits down to a piano, man, I could listen to him sing a, a fucking phone book. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I, it's excellent. But the one thing I will say is that, again, man, it's just the vocal control. The vocal control is so, I mean, he's using so many different types of, you know, parts of his voice. He's using, folk, you know, falsetto head voice you know, and he goes he goes through them seamlessly again just that guy was untouchable there was, there was never there was never anybody that's ever going to come close to him and, uh, and it's just the sheer uh, diversity and, he, and ability the guy had was unbelievable uh, the, old, the only guy that I would I mean uh, by no means am I saying this guy is, is as good as him but I think is definitely influenced by Freddie would be Mike Patton He's the only other guy I, I, no more, yeah, of, yeah. of Faith No More. We, we, we're, all big, we're all big Faith No More fans and, and fans of Patton in general. You know, I, I like, I love a lot of his projects and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but in the sense that I think he would, um, and he, I think he has said in the press as well that he is a Queen fan, well, obviously, yeah. because, I mean, I, and I see a lot of parallels uh, without going into it too in too much detail, you know, the fact that one song... can sing can, that, can I lounge yeah, stuff and yeah, that, that and smooth and stuff, and, and, and then yeah. scream its head off as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. sing really and powerful it, rock songs as well, you know. And that, exactly. Yeah. Um, right, we're going to finish up, Get Down, Make Love, Paul. As, uh, as, the, <laughs> as the first Queen song about, directly about the, the art of lovemaking. Goitus. Shagging. Making the beast with two backs. <laughs> what? Um, what? <laughs> Making the beast with two backs. Do you know what I heard that though? No, about his quality. <laughs> I guess it's the Bible actually. Anyway. That's even uh, better. Um, uh, get down, make love. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, what kind, uh, it's an amazing song, but what kind of song is it? Exactly. It's not. It's not disco, really, because it's not. It's not really not a disco tempo. About it. It's not, not the proper tempo. Um, it's not really rock. It's just, you know, it's out there on its own. It's funk you know. metal. Do you see yeah. it's funk? Do you see it's funk? Funk, funk metal. <laughs> just because of the bass. 
Let's just try and categorise it because that's all what oh, dickhead journalists try yeah, to so categorise it. Instead of just saying it's a tune that we can't fucking you know, pigeonhole. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's avant-garde region influenced black metal fusion jazz core the Aye. funk leanings at least that mate it's at least that at least that <laughs> <laughs> sorry Paul continue sorry you, uh, you probably some decent things to say about this tune <laughs> I, 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 I actually don't it's it's you know it's one of those ones decent you, things to say about tune tune you don't like it mate I, I love it it's just <laughs> Let's gang up, um, It's trying, trying to describe to the people at home what get down make love us, you know. Probably, sleazy and aggressive. Yeah, it's pure sleaze. It's um, it's probably inspired, perhaps, by some of Freddie's sexual adventures. Who knows? Um, I thought so. Yeah, I would take a that was <laughs> um, I, I I think it's a again another belter of a track on the album. Yeah. Um. I, I you know it, it's <laughs> it's it's got a menacing quality to it. You know it's it's kind of like you know it, yeah it's and aggressive. You know you I think He's, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Bon Scott I think on one of the previous pods. Tie your mother down. Tie your mother down. You mentioned Bon Scott. And you know when Bon Scott, you know, you know, like Night Prowl and stuff, it's that aye, oh, thing. Aye, it? aye, it, aye. It's kind of got a bit of that vibe to it. It's no holding it back. And, and I like the, the way the chorus opens right up. You know, and it just kind of goes back to the, you know, the just back to the kind of really understated, you know, bass riff and all the Freddy moans and groans and all the rest of it. A wee, a wee quick anecdote. You know, a friend of ours, uh, Minds and Joes, Dan, Dan Furthy, plays bass for that pop combo, uh, Cradle of Filth. And we used to work together and I was playing this song in the car on the way up to, to a place of work. And he hadn't heard it before. He sort of laughed when it got to the guitar bit. And, you know, the guitar bit. He what? Effects, he, he sort of laughed, the, the, the Brian May does, because it sounds like a synthesizer, but it's not. It's obviously Brian's guitar. Yep, you know, yep. I, I can't remember the exact effect, effect board he uses. But anyway, he was just laughing. He said, that's really, I think he called it a raunchy song. And then you've got this stuff that sounds like science fiction. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> and then I was like, and I was trying to like, like justify it, I just couldn't. I was just ah, it's about aliens, mate. It's about aliens like, getting on, man. That's why it's got like science fiction. <laughs> it's uh, but ah, it's a good point because <laughs> it kind of I suppose it's a bit alien in the middle of the song. Aliens probing each other. Yeah, but I think that's, I, I really like the, the guitar bit in the middle. I think it's really cool. They do really cool things with it live as well. Anyway, I've probably said my piece on it. Get down, make love. Yeah, another another belter for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I've just looked. Uh, I've just written down here sleazy and aggressive. Enough about you. That's me about the song. I <laughs> I would say uh, it's it's kind of cool in a way because it's it almost gives you a little insight into how fearless Freddie must have felt at this point. Yeah, his life because you know you would you'd never get a song like this on Mary Opera or Sheer Heart Attack or. Even a day, I don't think they even got this in a day of the races. Probably uh, speaks a lot to his frame of mind at this point. You know, he probably felt pretty invincible when he wrote this, as if nothing could really 
you know, I am what I am now. Like, you know, we, we kind of spoke about before, and it's been well documented that he kind of struggled a, wee, a little bit with it, with his sexuality and stuff like that. But by the, by the time he did this record, I think he was uh, fully and fully comfortable with, with what he's, he's, he was getting up to, which is totally cool, man. I'm 100% down with, you know, if it makes you happy and no one's getting hurt, go for it. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great song. It's weird because I, I kind of see it as a heavy song. Ah, Another yeah, heavy song. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's I think it's a rocker, but I, I get Paul's point because and it's broken up. It's, it's kind of weird it's and not staggered. conventional rocker. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of staggered and weird, ah. and uh, it's kind of staggered. It's like you, like Paul said, it's kind of hard to it's hard to kind of dance to it. No, no, not at all. But yeah, and another thing, thing I would mention here was uh, obviously you know we mentioned it earlier that Nine Inch Nails covered it, and uh, somehow yeah. managed managed to like you know twenty years after the fact not make it anywhere near as heavy or um, as sinister sounding as the Queen one. <laughs> which is, I quite which, like the version of it. Aye, it's, it's all right. It is good. I mean, so your, your standard industrial yeah, kind of cover aye, of it. It's, it's but, yeah, yeah. Cool. But, I was going to, but I was going to say as well, you know, you know the, the kind of, the, you know what we're talking about is the, the alien kind of part in the middle of the kind of crazy part. <laughs> that, 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 that's really quite, quite industrial in a way. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but uh, you know, like yeah, like throbbing gristle and stuff like that, right? Obviously, they were they were probably uh, kind of kick, kicking off around about this time. Obviously, they were taking taking that shit to the next level, man. But but in the sense that it was like more noise, which makes me think, you know, and then it also makes me reflect back to things like we were talking about, like she had like there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise in this album, which makes me think maybe there was, you know, I think at this point there was maybe searching for this different inspiration. Uh, and maybe keeping an eye on what was coming up in, in the underground because to me it, it seems like there's a sudden especially on this record there's a sudden injection of noise that they didn't have before so they might have had their finger on the pulse you know maybe maybe who knows what member of the bands you know maybe like Paul said earlier maybe um, Roger was more dabbling into the punk side of things you know and it wouldn't be so far flung to think that he was also maybe listening to uh, up and coming artists as well, you know, that are carving their own path, like like the, like the early industrial stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we wouldn't be called industrial till years later, but yeah, you know what I mean. That's it. That's news of the world. That's our thoughts on the album. For me, news of the world has not changed. If anything, I just want to go back and listen to it again after I finish this podcast. I, I think it's. Uh, I don't see how a Queen fan couldn't find this one of their favourite albums. But again, as we said, there are different types of Queen fan and, and you know, this might not be one of a lot of Queen fans' favourites. I mean, I've just criticised in the previous two podcasts, I go, I write the opera, you know, and who am I to do that? So there you go. So that I guess we're all, it's you know, we've all got opinions and all the rest of it. I've got nothing more to say because I said it all um, when we were talking about the songs. Just a great album and and a, and I uh, change up in style, a change up in vibe, which I like. It just again shows that Queen weren't scared to try things, and as we'll discuss in a few podcasts later, sometimes it didn't always work in their favour. Um, but I think for the most part, certainly up to this point, it was working in their favour. Everything they tried for me worked, and this is another example of them saying, <clears throat> "Do you know what? We can strip it down as well." and still have great songs, and still get the point across. 
great album. Just just great album. Yeah, absolute classic. Uh, as I said, I said at the start, my third favourite Queen album. Nothing's you know nothing's changed my mind. I've I've been listening to it maybe twi- two times every day and for the past maybe week or so uh, since we finished recording A Date the Races. <sighs> it's an amazing album. And again, we're running out of superlatives about this band. You know, they can strip it down they can, and they can do it. They can knock it out of the park every time. That's it. That's all I can say. That's all I've got. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to find <laughs> words. Uh, we're struggling. We are struggling. Joe? This record for me, as we spoke about, uh, this record is, is quite possibly my my favourite album ever, and that's coming from someone like both of you who listens to a shitload of music in all different uh, styles and genres. Uh, for me, this record is like, um, you know, like they always ask you, it would be, you know, your desert island, you know, if you could only take, I think taking this record would satisfy every need that I had it would satisfy my need for heavy stuff. It would satisfy my need for beautiful music. You know, it just, it, it just, it has, it has, has everything that I want from an album. This record, you know, it's like it's almost like the, it's like compare it to a meal. It's like you know, what would, it's the best meal you'd ever have. It's the best starter, the best main course, and the best dessert. It's just, it's absolutely everything that I love about Queen is harnessed in this record and um, just. Everything's just turned up to 10. The songwriting's turned up to 10. Everybody shines in this record uh, in the songwriting department. You know, everybody on this record has wrote an absolute beast of a song. Uh, John, Spread Your Wings, obviously an amazing song. You know, Brian, We Will Rock You, Freddie, We Are The Champions, Roger, you know, Fight For The Inside, you know, stuff like that. You know, this, like you two guys just said, I mean, that, that for me, it's just it ticks every single box for me, and I love it. And it's a five gonger for me. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> right, Julian, try to make this up. Get everything gongs. <laughs> so, well, it could, could be six. Could be six gongs out of five. It's that good. <laughs> Better. So that is news of the world. Please join us next time where we'll be discussing Queen's seventh seventh album, Jazz. Uh, find out if the band actually play jazz on the album when we talk about the album next or you can just listen listen to it and find it for yourself I don't know but we'll we'll talk about it anyway so jazz is going to be the next one and uh, please join us for it and again join the discussion uh, chat to us about uh, this album on on, uh, Facebook and Twitter and you know, if you want to PM us as well you know, if there's something particular you want to ask us or talk to us about then do that as well all good and uh, bye Thanks very much. So, Paul? Cheers, everybody. Keep yourself alive. Very good. Joe? Uh, thanks for everybody for checking it out. It's been really, really cool hearing people's feedback uh, from the, the first uh, album pod that we did. And hopefully you'll stick with it and you'll, you'll enjoy the, the next ones to come. Cheers, man. Thanks very much. See you on album number seven. Thank you. Goodbye.